Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. I can remember what you just said about our story. Sometimes we think it's our story. Yeah. During the whole Jesus revolution, we, you know, we were rolling in what the Holy Spirit was doing. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but, and then one day it was over. And yeah. when it was over, it, I, I had a little pity party. I was upset. People were starting to, to run churchy programs in our church. And it's like, we don't yeah. do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and then I realized, no, we, we're going to have to do some of these things because you got to shepherd the sheep and it, it yeah. takes, it takes more form than, you know, our whole deal was, you sing for an hour, you preach for an hour, and then people go out in the street and other people get saved. And that's yeah. what it was for yeah. several years, six or seven years. And then yeah. it was over. And there's that that sense of, oh my gosh, I really am dependent on the on the spirit more than I understood yeah. I was. Totally. Coming coming to grips with that is a is a really big deal. Well, what 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 form did the church take? I mean, did were, did you end up planting churches? Did you, you know, what 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 was your little piece of what God was doing? In- yeah. So we started Hope Brooklyn, which was the sixth location of the Hope Church NYC network, which was a really beautiful network that still exists because uh, it was a multi denominational network. Mm-hmm. So each one of these churches was its own entity and. We had multiple denominations represented by these entities, but we were still part of one singular network in New York City. So we had some core values, some shared values uh, that aligned us. Um, So, yeah, so we planted a a pretty traditional church. We met on Sunday mornings um, for worship, the word, and then we always shared lunch afterwards, Mm -hmm. which was difficult in New York City because we didn't own our building. So we had a a brunch team that went upstairs to the cafeteria um, the school cafeteria and just had little griddles and we'd make some pancakes and eggs or we got creative. We would do cereal potlucks or, <laughs> you know, we, we blew a couple fuses. Um, summertime was very hot. There was a lot of sweat without those ACs in the, in the schools. Um, and we would have brunch together. We took communion every Sunday. So we said at the end of the service, and then we'd say, you know, if we come to this table together, we go to this, that, that one together. Um, brunch is an extension of our communion. So we were really focused on trying to build true spiritual community in a city where community is very hard to come by. Uh, That was our focus. Um, We said um, uh, that there's, there's room for you at the table. That was one of our guiding metaphors. We use that table imagery a lot. Our small groups were called tables. Uh, We tried to partner with different nonprofits in the city. So we partnered with safe families for children, some others, um, we also partnered with other churches like Edwin's Recovery House of Worship. So we, we did a joint youth group for a while. We did some prayer and worship nights. Um, it was really beautiful. And uh, we led that for about four years, like I said, about summer of 2019. And I only got this language in, in retrospect. 
we essentially accomplished the vision that God had put in my heart mm-hmm. for Hope Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I started praying and I, I sort of went to this existential place of what's next. I didn't know what next was for the church. Come to find out that my part in the church, this story was done. Uh, I had done my role. I planted it. And that started a, a journey of kind of preparing me to pass it off to someone to continue tending it and watering it. Obviously we had to go through COVID and that. So it wasn't like I was done. I still had a part to play. Um, But yeah, so uh, we passed off the church in April of 2021 and fall of 2020 is when we realized that God was uh, giving a dual role, a dual assignment of uh, taking me to faith center, which is a historic church in our movement for church planting, which is part of the vision that God had given us. And, um, and taking over for, I don't know if you know Steve Overman. Yeah, I knew Steve. The, I, I actually tried yeah. to, to steal Steve away from. from, from really? Oh, oh my gosh. I, I was so impressed with that guy. And I I did my best to get him to Hawaii. But uh, yeah, he was where God wanted him. Yeah. So Steve was the senior pastor there for 32 years. Yeah. So I, I took over for Steve and then also uh, the national director of church planting. And it really felt like these two roles are kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, Because I I think my job at Faith Center is to help make a generational shift, you know, where uh, we're sort of stepping into this new reality of the 2020s. And uh, a pastor has been there for 32 years. That's a long time. And he did a remarkable job discipling people and leading the church. And uh, So we're sort of stepping into the next, next season of the story. And then also helping to restore some of the, uh, the elements of the church, of to church planting, to raising up leaders, college-age leaders, sending them out, um, which has been a part of Faith Center's DNA from the very beginning. So during the, the when, when I left for Honolulu uh, in 1983, I was the 30th guy to leave the mm. church I planted to go out and plant yeah. church. But by then, uh, Faith Center had planted a little over 60 churches. And then Roy went mm-hmm. to work for the denomination. Steve came in. Church planting kind of fell off a little bit during those mm-hmm. years. I, yeah. It, it was, you know, I was, one of the things that I have always struggled with is we've always kind of had an attitude of, we have had a, a, a policy of tell us where the Lord's taking you. And we'll yeah. we'll back you. Yeah, Roy, Roy was different. Roy pinned the map. Yeah, and, uh, you know every, every town at the time they, they told me this. Every town of of fifteen thousand people or more in the state of Oregon, uh, maybe Oregon and Washington, they were going to put a church in that town. And he ran mm-hmm. a little Bible school at five thirty in the morning or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. you had to really, you know, be. <laughs> guts out or you're gonna not gonna be yeah. Roy. I mean he's that kind of a guy, very challenging, you know, exciting person to be around always. But um I, I used to struggle with this idea of strategy versus being led by the Holy Spirit. And I yeah. I always felt like I probably leaned too far one direction. For a little while we we actually pinned a map of Hawaii. Yeah. But again it wasn't like okay, so who wants to go to this town? It was, right. we're just waiting on the Lord praying. Yeah. But our deal was we, we put a yellow pin. We actually put it on a bulletin board in the office and we put a yellow pin, a little tiny map pin for every McDonald's restaurant in the state. Huh. And the goal was to put a little green Hope Chapel pin 
next to that McDonald's pin. And wow. we just figured, let them do the demographics. They know right. what people are. Is McDonald's in now? It'd be Starbucks, but yeah, basically yeah. Well, same Starbucks. Thing. That was that was kind of our next thought, and it, yeah. but there were so many of them, it was like it was overwhelming. And we went we went way beyond the number of McDonald's, but but we actually did do you know that thing. But there's always been this tension to me between um, what I can do with my mind, and you know, and I, I'm a pretty capable person. I can. I can strategize. I can run business stuff. I, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of stuff. And and in the work of the spirit. And I would rather yeah. err to the spirit than the other. But I I, I always feel I and it's it's Roy. I mean, we're we happen to be talking about Roy, but Roy is a, still a part of my life, though he passed away many years ago. Yeah. And that, yeah. and there's always that that little tension in there uh, between. between I, I completely agree, there. and I think. In my opinion, you know, and maybe this is just the the classic journey for all church planters or pastors uh, where we lean more strategic at first. And I think I certainly did. I lent more strategic at first. But part of that, I think, was overcompensating for my own insecurities mm-hmm. and those more and those aspects of my heart where I did not trust the Lord fully yet. Um I thought it was on my strength to do it and not on his, even though I said the right things, but, you know, deep down, my identity was still not fully secure. Um, but this is something I feel very strongly about, especially now leading a national movement for church planting. And I'm, I don't want to like paint with too broad of strokes, but I certainly feel like it's very easy in church planting networks, church planting circles to lead with strategy and then ask God to bless our plans, yes. you know? Yes. And I've tried to reverse that from the start. And I think both are important. I'm not saying let's go the other direction and let's just sit like the Quakers and wait for the spirit, you know, um, or wait for God to to do everything. I do think we need really good strategy, really good minds, really sharp, uh, acute organizational skill and strategic skill and demographic study, all of that. But I am saying I want the foundation to be so baked in Acts 13 prayer where we're praying and fasting. And waiting for the Lord to call the people, waiting for the Lord to say who who to set apart, waiting for the Lord to bring the city, the region, the area to our hearts. Um, And we're also not just waiting, but we're also doing the discipleship work in the next generation so that the future church planters are being discipled and trained and released. And and then once the Lord sort of it's baked in the spirit, the spirit is, is birthed it, then we are. You know, we've been working out our organizational strategic muscles that we know exactly how to equip, empower, get what they need to do this work. Um, so I, I'm trying to bring those two as, as closely balanced as possible. Well, what you said about you, you want to bring the things together in the spirit first and then and then yeah. and then throw everything you got with strategy. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. In our situation, we we tried to build community our small group thing as a disciple making module. That was the whole church. Yeah. Really. We, yeah. we, we would tell people what well, we call it mini church, that, that yeah. that's the church. This is a convention on the weekends. Yeah. And, you know, we were doing seven services a weekend. We had uh, like 105 small groups going on one time. Yeah. But those guys were pastoring those people. And, and, and as we would see the gifts emerge. Yeah and how we really knew that that was we'd see a guy that would raise a disciple leave the group go start another group yeah raise disciples 
you'll start another group. If you did that three times, then we would just go ask a question. Would you pray about the possibility of, of planting a church? And yeah. if he said no, then we left him alone. Mm-hmm. And if he said yes, then we we would begin to meet together. And talk, I would meet with them personally. And then yeah. we have, I mean, we were pretty sophisticated. We have a lot of tools. We we planted 2,600 churches. We, you know, we, we knew what we're doing. Right. And so we would bring all that to bear, but we wanted, we wanted the work of the spirit in the heart and we wanted yeah. it demonstrated in, in terms of pastoral um, fruit in their life yeah. before we were going to take it forward. And I think that's so important too, because I'm even noticing right now that there, and I think this is good. There's a shift in what people are looking at in terms of the apostolic profile for church planting. Mm-hmm. So how do I know if someone has more strategic eyes? And again, I, I don't want to say that's negative, but less of the spirit's eyes. Well, it's kind of like Samuel, right? Well, look how tall this guy is. Yeah. You know, oh, this is surely the Lord's anointed. Right. There's certain external charismatic, more American factors that I think people can see and immediately be seduced by and think, well, this is clearly the Lord's anointed. He, he wants this man, this woman to go and do this. Versus the true apostolic profile of the heart, which is, can be revealed exactly what you're saying. To see, do you know how to raise up and then let go and send and go do again? Like those th- and do it not just once, but do it three times. Demonstrate that there's a there's this persistence, there's this faithfulness in your life. So I think that's also a really important thing is redefining what this apostolic profile is in people, um, so we don't get seduced by just the externals that might draw a crowd or wow people. And there's nothing wrong with drawing a crowd or, or wowing. Those are great gifts. Apollos had eloquent speech, but it might not be the spirit, what the spirit is seeing in the spirit um, for a region, for an area, you know? You know, we, we found that with the people who were, you know, in America, we talk about the gift of charisma, which is, sure, you know, a misnomer. Yeah. But people who have this, aura about them uh, they're they're in danger to me (laughs) of the flesh really taking over Uh, these are people who 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 can uh, make the fateful shortcuts uh, wrong things financially get themselves in trouble and so we would we would look at those people almost as a separate category we got Mm. got to tackle this person we've got to uh, kind of make sure that that they're walking humbly with the lord and yeah. you know that was really, really a, a whole another another ball of wax. But I want to take this conversation to faith center. I yeah. I I prayed when I was a young man. I, I prayed two prayers. One God answered. The other one He didn't. I prayed that I'd never have to build a building. Um, that d- didn't work out so well. <laughs> but I prayed that I would um, never have to follow in another man's footsteps because. Yeah. I, I had seen breakage and I yeah. wasn't sure that I could handle it. And there is a part of me that, I mean, I think anybody who is is willing to pioneer things, to innovate, there there's a little bit of just dissatisfaction, boarding on sure. boarding on low-level rebellion against what sure. is there. <laughs> and I, I certainly cop to that. Yeah. And so I didn't I didn't ever want to do that and I didn't have to. Yeah, and I I look at the people who do it and do it well, and, and I'm in awe. And so, 
that's got to be a really tough thing. I mean, that it, not only in the city of Eugene, Oregon, yeah, is that, yeah. which is the second largest city in Oregon now. Yeah, so that's a big deal. The church is a big deal. But then you followed in the footsteps of, of two giants. Totally. Uh, how how did you, I mean, how, yeah. what do you do? I mean, the people have got to be sitting there scowling at you the first week or so. What what do you do? Perhaps. I mean, luckily I took over in COVID, so it was still all, all on the screen, so I couldn't see their scowls. Hmm. Um, you know, I would say two things. One thing Steve told me, which Roy had told him, which I've held with me, where it was very tempting. It was very easy for people to compare me to Steve natural, supernatural. And Steve told me over and over, Hey, where where I would try to be respectful and, and like, as he deserves and deferential and all of that, Steve goes, you know, Hey, cut through that. God brought you for a reason. Be you like, don't try to be me. Don't try to be Roy, be exactly who God has made you to be. So he's been on the front lines of setting me free from any, unhealthy sense of honor that I feel like I should give or whatever. He's going, no, 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 no. I'm going to be your best congregant and I want you to be you. Um, so that's been very helpful. The other thing I would say that I think prepared me and, you know, this is one of those, it's a whole ball of wax, but COVID was so hard for pastors. Mm-hmm. During that season, the Lord, it, all of our hearts were exposed and we all sort of made choices of where we were going to put our trust and how we were going to get through it. And I think by the grace of God, um, I doubled down on the presence of Jesus. And I just went deeper into almost a personal renewal and revival of uh, being holy the Lord's, as Roy would always describe holiness. Holiness is not, you know, moralism. It's W, right? Being holy gods. It's ownership. And Yeah, exactly. And so... I think the Lord sanctified me in profound ways that prepared me for both of my roles, faith center and multiply where I've sort of stepped into these roles, hopefully so far as I'm able with no sense of pretense and no sense of that insecure identity that I certainly stepped into with when I planted hope Brooklyn, kind of a deadness of in the sense of, look, uh, he has the words of life. I'm just doing whatever he tells me to do. I'm saying whatever he tells me to say. And I don't, I don't feel like I'm here to try to preserve an institution I feel like I'm here to try to call a people to worship God and follow God. And that's it. And so if that doesn't work, if that's not enough for what he wants to do, well, then that's on his name. It's not on mine is really what I've stepped in with. And uh, there's a lot of freedom in that um, of like, I'm just going to be who God's made me to be. And I'm going to trust everything he says about himself. And I'm going to let the chips fall where they fall. And so I've really tried not to focus on the two giants that have gone before me. Um, but really just focus on this is a new faith center. I mean, certainly for all churches post COVID, it's brand new, you know, it's a new faith center. It's a new Eugene. It's a new season, uh, same God, but yeah. we're just trying to, and that's something I preached early on. You know, I, I told the church, I said, um, you know, I said, I, I, I'm not Roy, but I serve Roy's God. Yeah. I'm not Steve, but I love Jesus or I love Steve's savior. You know, like that idea of uh, I'm not going to be these guys. I'm going to be exactly who God has made me to be. And there might be some elements that rhyme with who they were or maybe draw some resonance, but, but I'm not them. But just like we see all throughout the scriptures, their God is my God and right. you know, their savior is my savior. And he's the one calling the shots. So in that sense, faith centers had the exact same leader for the last 80 years. You know what I mean? (laughs) That hasn't changed in the slightest. 
Well, you know, what's interesting is that both of those guys would stand out as people who would be exactly what you just said. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to be me. I don't really care what anybody mm-hmm. else thinks about it. I stand before the Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll just be who I am. Yep. And that that's the key to almost everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, the world has enough of everyone else. It might as well just be who God made us. You know, I I um I once took a guy to task. I, I actually almost fired him. Uh, just shortly before I left Hermosa Beach, one of our staff guys, and he's a really good guy. He's yeah. probably listening to this podcast because we're, we're still <laughs> very close. Yeah. But um, he he was very young. Uh, he he the guy could teach the Bible, and so I had him in the pulpit a lot. And then I announced that I was moving to Hawaii, and he comes to me and, and goes, "Well, I you know I don't know if I should stay here. I I don't know what will happen to my career." At, hmm. And it's like, oh, oh, don't use that word around me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, we, and we really really had it out, but. I think one of the the blessings in my life was that I didn't want to be a pastor. I, I was a shy yeah. kid for one thing. Yeah. I'm, I am an introvert, so I can yeah. do this, you know, but get me alone if I don't know you and I don't know what to say. Right. And um, so I've, I've always felt like I, I just shut up and March. You're, you're a draftee. Yeah. You, you kind of do what the Lord tells you and, and that's it. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.